challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. As I record this podcast, we are in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. I'm sitting in my office in Washington, D.C., actually Alexandria, Virginia, which is just outside of D.C., and I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm pondering what your life must be like, and I'm pondering what it must be like to shelter in place, which is virtually what all of us are doing, even if it's not government required. And I want to talk to you straight because I know you want to be a good and a great man during this time. I know you want to make a difference with your friends, your family, your children. I know you want to come out of this in a sterling fashion. So I want to talk to you about a manly battle plan for this season. Now, it's many of the things on this list are things we talk about all the time, but I want to apply them specifically to this coronavirus time. There are 10 of them, and I'll talk in my Yankee fast way, and we'll get through them quickly. I don't want to keep you long, but I want to challenge you uh, about some steps, some battle plans, some, some tactics that you ought to use in this season. Number one, I want you to get in the control room. If you're new to that language, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I believe that every man who wants to be a good and great man needs to operate, needs to run and conduct his life from the control room. Now, for me as a Christian, that means uh, my time in prayer, uh, my time locked away, Bible prayer, thinking through my life, praying over my life, interceding for people. My devotional life is the control room. For some of you, it's, uh, you know, in the evenings after the kids go to bed, the wife has taken a shower or whatever, you're smoking a stogie on the back porch pondering your life. Okay, if that's what it is for you, that's fine. The main thing is that during this time, you don't want to be knocked out of your control room. The control room is where you ponder your life. The control room is where you strategize. The control room is where you devise plans. The control room is where in your mind and heart, you get some perspective on your world. And that is a more essential now than ever. Now, for many of you, just because of the lives you're living and maybe the fact that you're home with a house full of kids or something, uh, that may have to be early in the morning. It can be your early morning run. It can be your early morning swim if you have a pool. It can be your uh, early morning locking yourself in your office and telling your kids, don't anybody come until seven. Dad's praying. Whatever you have to do, that can be handled, by the way, in a very benevolent way that they all respect and love. But don't get knocked out of your control room. And if you don't have a control room, start building it. I don't mean physically. I mean, start finding that time in your day from which you conduct your life. That is essential. And I strongly recommend that at the heart of your control room experience is prayer. Number two, it is important that you not neglect yourself during this process. When you fly on airplanes, remember, they tell you, put your oxygen mask on first before you try to help somebody else. So I'm not saying that you should spend 30 hours a week on yourself and not take care of anybody else in your family. I'm about to say just the opposite. But I will say that taking care of yourself, getting your exercise, getting your time in that control room, getting some time to read, maybe having a little time on the phone with a friend, these things are important to keep your emotional balance, to keep you in good shape physically. I strongly recommend exercise. Uh, even if you are basically locked in your house and don't even have a yard, you can still do body weight exercises. I'm doing new things with squats and push-ups and planks and mountain climber exercises, all kinds of stuff. Um, a thing called the inchworm where you walk out with your hands and then come back to your feet and stand up. You know this stuff better than I do. Many of you are trainers. Many of you are former military. But develop a workout system 
of um, of body weight exercises at least. And then if you have the room, run in place, bounce on the trampoline, uh, get on the bike, the Peloton, whatever it is you need to do. But take care of yourself with the least amount of time that you can, obviously, but make sure you're getting some social with your guy on the phone. Make sure you're taking some time to get, get in the control room. Make sure you're getting some exercise. Make sure you're getting a little time to read. Let your imagination flow, okay? And get don't, don't just let the tyranny of the immediate dominate you. You won't be good for anybody. Number three is this. Make sure you are keeping tabs on the culture in your home. You can be home. You can have a nice home. There can be plenty of money and food. Uh, but the the culture can be one of fear. The culture can be one of nervousness. The cult- culture can be one of, of, of something that's not productive. You are the primary a- uh, culture officer of your home. It's not just because I'm not saying that in some bubble way because you're male. I'm saying that's what a good man does. Now, partner with your wife if you're married. Absolutely. The two of you together have responsibility for that. But it's your job to make sure it gets done. Keep an eye on the culture in your home. By that, I don't just mean the physical things, although that's important. Is your home filled with hope? Is your home filled with a future vision? If you're, Is your home filled with reliance on God? Is your home filled um, with a little bit of fun? I realize this is a heavy time, but there can be fun that goes on. Uh, is your home filled with uh, learning and reading and, and, uh, and maybe some candlelight and some beautiful things and some beautiful music? I mean, it's, sometimes it's practical things like that that, that shapes a culture. Uh, Bev and I are older. Our kids are grown. We're here in our home, but we light candles and we have music and we we go online and and tour museums that are available to be toured online. Um, and we we're, we're paying attention to Yo Yo Ma's amazing uh, uh, songs of comfort a hashtag in which people are playing music from all over the world. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a, it's a glorious reveling in the human spirit. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing that. We do a lot of things. And, and I have all that online on my Twitter feed if you want to watch that kind of stuff. But that's not, the, that's not my main point. My main point is, what are you doing to assure the culture of your home? Uh, for example, uh, a family reading time. You got younger kids who'd like to be read to. Dad reading the book, reading a book to the whole family can really shape the culture of a home. Read something exciting. Read something thrilling. Read something that's about uh, people who have who have shown heroism and bravery and and uh, and have made a difference in the world. You know, or, or or something that's just completely other. You know, the Paralandria series by C.S. Lewis. I mean, just uh, completely other. It doesn't it doesn't really. It does matter what you read, but but it doesn't matter whether you choose, you know, epic uh, American heroism or or you know the great heroes of history, or you or you choose to read science fiction. The main point is that you're reading, and maybe you're reading something that's ennobling and inspiring. I, I strongly recommend you keep home, a humor going in the home, not in some weird way that everybody knows you're really nervous and just trying to joke around. But I've recommended to, to some guys that they they download a joke book. And just and just have a joke, one joke a day. And one guy says, "This has absolutely changed our home. His seven kids can't wait until he rolls out the joke of the day." In fact, he requires that uh, that the chores are done before he rolls out the joke. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun. And so, keep in mind that the culture of your home is as important as the material things you obviously have your mind on. I strongly recommend that you use a schedule even though you're home. Don't let all scheduling uh, go away. Schedule that four o'clock workout with your son. Schedule that time to help your your daughter with her homework. Schedule that time for a mommy-daddy date. I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, schedule your time. I suggest you keep a schedule. If you're just growing a beard and and, uh, and laying around in your PJs and eating and drinking too much and let everything just all f- f- kind of flop apart, I'm not saying your, your day has to be 
absolutely scheduled every hour, but some things in the schedule give people the feeling that things are going on normally, feel like people are connecting, don't feel like everything's just flowing. Kids need structure. Um, you may need to structure some things with your with your spouse just to make sure they actually happen. So consider consider some degree. I don't want to turn. You want you to turn into a prison where everything is scheduled every 15, 15 minute portions. But but consider some degree of scheduling. Okay, it's very important. Number four, very important. Uh, I'm sorry, this is number five. It's uh, very important that you re that you narrate the world for those in your home. If you don't narrate the world, if you don't explain what's happening, if you don't explain the good news, if you don't explain the challenges, if you don't articulate how this began and why we're in the situation we're in, but but how good things are being done and we're going to get through it. I don't mean just motivational things, even the negative things. You've got to narrate in your own terms and in a way that's digestible for everybody or fear take, takes hold. This is a scary thing. People are going to die. People you may know might die. People in your family might be under threat. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just simply saying what's true. And um, in some countries, there's more threat than others. But what you have to do is narrate what's going on. Don't just let the news do it alone. I'm not a guy who's anti the media, but watching some of these media reports and the way some of these politicians speak, they're out there to try to scare the heck out of people um, for political gain or for ratings or what have you. Uh, that doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just how they talk. And in the mind of an eight-year-old, in the mind of an already terrified wife, in your heart, uh, this can have horrible negative repercussions. So you digest it. You narrate it. I'm not saying sugarcoat it. I'm not saying hide the facts from anybody. I'm just saying you need to narrate what's going on, what's possible, what can happen, how we're already seeing the back edge of this thing in China, how this thing will wash through and then we'll rebuild. Here are the facts. You know, I, I mean, I know one family that, that is actually going on Fox and CNN every day, finding out what the death count is for that day uh, and in which countries. And then they pray specifically accordingly. They're actually making the family prayer plan um, a way of also informing everybody about what's going on. I think that's very, very wise. So number five on my list is narrate the world. Number six is I, wanna, I want you to have a battle plan for everybody in your family. Now, I've urged this all the time. I've, I've urged this many times before, but particularly now. If you're a father in a home and you've got a wife and a couple, three kids, uh, every person's an individual. Every person has different needs. You know the child who needs that assuring rowdiness. It might be your, your 12-year-old boy. He needs to have wrestling time with dad. So you need to go down to the basement when nobody's around and beat the tar out of each other or just work each other sweaty in a ping pong match or whatever it is. You know that that's his love language. You know that's how you assure him. You know that that's what's going to reset the world. But the daughter may need something else. She may need help with the homework or she may need uh, a story session, or she may need to sit in the backyard with a cup of coffee for half an hour a night, or whatever it is, you know what the different, what the different uh, personalities are. And so have a battle plan. I'm calling it a battle plan because that's man language, but it could be very, very gentle. It could literally be playing dolls uh, <laughs> with your five-year-old daughter. Uh, you understand what I'm saying. Everybody has a different plan. I'll come back to your wife in a minute, but have a battle plan for everybody in your family. Uh, meaning, how are you going to love them? How are you going to reassure them? How are you going to see them in better stead when this thing's over than they are now? How are you going to set their hearts at ease? How are you going to show your love? How are you going to help them have some fun? There's a way that that can be done. So have a battle plan for everybody in the family. And by the way, about half of that might be a common battle plan for the whole family, meaning 
uh, you know, that if that if if it's you have a certain kind of family and dad reading for an hour every night, some exciting story uh, that may do half of what's needed in everybody's life. So you think that through, you get in your control room, you come to some conclusions, but have a battle plan for everybody there that is as customized as it needs to be, but not more customized than it needs to be. Okay. It's also important that you be thinking through, and this is more you and your wife, if you have one. Uh, It's important that you be thinking through a a battle plan for family uh, well-being. So what is the money situation? What's the food situation? What can you do? Who's got resources that you need? Network with people. That that can be done. I know people who are networking and who aren't even in contact with each other. They'll call and say, I'm coming over in two minutes. The guy goes out. He puts a big old bag of what he has too much of out by the mailbox. The guy, the other guy gets it. And leaves the stuff that the guy who left the bags needed. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a way without infecting each other that we can share the resources that we have. People are making grocery runs for each other. They're wearing, you know, surgical gloves and and being careful and wiping down bags, but they're making grocery runs for each other, helping each other out. Develop a battle plan for your family well-being and involve others if you need to. Number eight, prioritize romance. A whole lot of stuff is probably moved back into your home. If you're a typical American family, uh, then probably at least one of you, you or your spouse, are, are working from home. You've got the kids home. You used to be at school. Now there's no sports going on. There are none of their clubs. There are none of their organizations. It's all in the home. So you, you and your wife could lose each other. You and your wife could lose each other. So prioritize that. You know what what one family is doing? I really admire. Now, Bev and I have this every night, so this isn't a big thing. But we have, they have basically uh, the night that mommy and daddy are going to have a candlelit dinner in their room. So the family helps put together that food. The kids are excited about it. The kids go and set the, the extra table in the bedroom. Um, they set the candles that you can imagine how kids would love to be part of this. And then mom and dad are left alone until they come out later at night to say goodnight to everybody. In the meantime, the kids are supposed to go down to the basement. This is a three-story house. Kids are supposed to go down to the basement. There's been like preparation of cookies and a movie for them. They're supposed to stay away. In fact, they're not supposed to leave the basement. They can't even go to the second floor, although mom and dad's bedroom is on the third floor. And so that's the mom and dad can have, it's only three hours or so. But so mom and dad can have a nice meal and do whatever they want, talk about whatever they want, prioritize romance. And by the way, you guys know the, 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 the meaning of the language uh, of love language. So you know what your spouse needs. Don't lose the touch. Don't lose the acts of service. Don't lose the words of kindness. Don't lose the things that uh, the quality time, the things that mean the most to your spouse. There's no reason for it. Just prioritize it and then enlist the family and helping it to come about. This family that, that's doing this, the kids actually almost nag their parents about making sure that they are ready for the date night. Have you showered? What dress are you wearing tonight, mom? You know, I'll make, I'll make the chicken the way you guys like it. And we we got some special rolls and blah, 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 blah. And I'll let you pick the wine, mom. And I mean, the parents sit down to a nice, calm dinner uh, for a while with some nice music playing. And then I don't know what breaks out after that, but I hope it's all kinds of wonderful stuff that ought to pass between a husband and a wife. So prioritize romance. Number nine is this. Do not neglect your band of brothers during this time. It's quite possible for you just on a cell phone to be on a phone call with a bunch of your band of brothers. You can do it visually uh, on screen so you can see each other. That's very easy with FaceTime nowadays and other programs that we all know about. Prioritize your time with your band of brothers. You may not be able to sit around the, the, the porch and talk out life and challenge each other and 
you know, sacrifice some animals on the grill, but you can help each other. You need each other more now than ever. So confront each other and be honest and don't hide the things that you're, that you're challenged by. Get them involved, have them challenging, challenging you, have them giving you advice, uh, have them praying for you. It's very, very important. And then finally is this, and I left it to the last thing. This is number 10. I left it to the last thing because it sounds like I'm turning myself into some kind of motivational speaker, but I believe in this next principle very, very strongly. When you come to a challenge, when you come to a difficult season, when you come to uh, a time when all the rules seem changed and the world seems upside down, kind of like what we have right now, I think it's important to ask yourself this question. What does this make possible? What does this condition make possible? Bev and I have done this. We've asked ourselves what we can do. Um, And again, you can go on at Mansfield Wright's Twitter feed, and I'm telling the world what we're doing just to be an encouragement. Um, We're not only looking at museums. We're taking a a, a course in Christian theology online. Um, We do all kinds of things. We listen to music. We're watching a whole series of Shakespeare movies. And uh, we're doing a lot of things. We asked ourselves, what does this make possible? So we're doing we're doing new projects like that. We are doing old projects in the home, uh, cleaning things out, getting things rebuilt, all things just at our skill level. We're not bringing in any contractors in, but we're getting things done, getting old projects done, getting some things done online that we wanted to have done, all sorts of projects. Uh, what does this make possible? We've even asked ourselves, what does this make possible between the two of us? Uh, what, what's allowed here? What, what, I don't mean so much what's allowed, but what is possible now um, in this, this kind of time when we're home a great deal? Um, and that's, that's unbelievably important. And we're about to be separated because I'm about to go and do some, uh, some work on the road. So all of this to say, ask yourself, what does this make possible? I don't mean replace the roof. I don't mean go car shopping. I'm not talking about big, dramatic things. What does it make possible relationally? What does it make possible for you physically? I've committed to actually muscle up and lose weight during this time. So I'm doing a lot with, with, um, you know, body weight exercises and, and, and keeping my eating down. And Bev and I are doing uh, some intermittent fasting, which she humorously calls internet fasting. And, and uh, you know, just the normal stuff a lot of us were doing beforehand, we're still doing it. What does this make possible for you? Bev and I have answered that question. You answer that question. Because even in the midst of a valley, even in the midst of a dark time, there are things that are possible. I, I once knew a guy fairly well who went, ended up going to prison. I, I met him after the crime had already been committed. He was heading to prison. We became friends, and I watched his years in prison. During that time, you would not believe how he muscled up physically. You would not believe the shape he was in when he got out. He also earned a master's degree. He wrote letters and kept relationships going with everybody that it was important to him. He reconciled with a lot of people. Um you just can't believe the culture he built around him. Now, he was in prison, but when he came out, he had written songs that have now been recorded. He looked fantastic physically. Um, I mean, he didn't have a lot of sun. I'm just saying he'd muscled up by, by learning certain kinds of workouts to do right there at a prison cell. Uh, like I say, he had finished a master's at a major university, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was ready to step into the real world. But he used what a, a season that usually destroys people to make himself better. Why? Because he asked himself this question, what does this make possible? And that's the final thought I'll leave with you. I'm proud of you. 
I know you want to be great men during this time. I know you will. I know you'll shine. We will get through this. We will rise again. We will build on the other side. And by the way, I'm more convinced than ever that we need a movement, a movement of great and noble men, and we need to take it to the world. So I'll be talking to you about that in the future. In the meantime, be the best you can be. Be what you're meant to be for those in your life. Be the great men you're called to be during this crisis. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.